Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz 361 in the house. Oscar Lopez will have the Hall of Famer Holly Custis here, as well as we'll have Nate Ward in the second hour, the last uh, last half hour of the second hour. And we're going to be talking NFL trade rumors. We're going to be diving into LNFA Feminina in Spain, the big weekend in Gridiron West playoffs. Uh, On top of that, everything that happens at the hub, so you can dial into the hub uh, daily, weekly, up to date. The best network on the planet exists at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. So if you haven't dived in there, go ahead and go there. Um, and also don't forget our podcast powered by monkeyknifefight.com. So you can actually play uh, up, you know, up to $50 match pre-match on their deposit. So you can put as low as $10 and you can get started on monkey knife fight. You can play NBA, you can play MMA, PGA, and other cool stuff. Simply choose your team and or two players and then select the uh, more or less feature. You can also do shootouts for hockey. Payouts range from anywhere from, you know, up to the, the amount. So if you put in 10, you can get almost up to three times the amount. Um, so go to monkeynightfight.com. That's what keeps our uh, podcast alive and have some fun there and make a little bit of money. And uh, don't forget to use the code NJF to get started today. So go to monkeyknife5.com, use code NJF to get started. All right, um, we're going to dive into NFL trade rumors. We'll be diving into, like I said, a lot of stuff within the next two hours. So we'll get rolling here, wait for the Hall of Famer to show up here. Um, and we should have Nate Ward here in the second hour. But what an exciting weekend. If you weren't at the hub, you probably didn't get the link in terms of what happened in Gridiron West. But uh, a huge weekend in Gridiron West. The season has been amazing. Uh, Rockingham Vipers have really steamrolled all season. What an amazing uh, team that they have there. Uh, also, we got to give a shout-out to our girl, uh, Cassie Cubis, who also won the 2020 Gridiron uh, Queensland 11s Championship with the Aces, and she came out big for the Vipers this weekend, a couple touchdowns. And so the Curtain Saints uh, get beat 34-6 to as the Rockingham Vipers uh, go on to their undefeated streak into West Bowl four this coming weekend, looking for the undefeated perfect season. They're looking for the perfect season in uh, Great Iron West. They will be taking on the other matchup, and you can catch the whole game right there at the link, at the hub. And if you're right there, you're watching football, 999 action from Aussie land, from all our uh, network partners there, um, LSM as well as via the YouTube channels that we have links for. So congratulations to the uh, Rockingham Vipers on a great season. Uh, what an amazing season for them. Steamrolled since week one. Uh, and given the fact that we had the COVID issue towards the last part of the season, that uh, obviously didn't come, you know, didn't deter them from uh, putting up all this uh, success for themselves. Uh, so it's going to be a great, great finish. It's going to be in Perth. The other matchup was Perth Blitz as the champions, uh, 2019 champions, were looking for a uh, victory to go to return to West Bowl to the West Bowl. Multi-time champions there as well, and so they were going up against 
um, to try to get into a, a berth to the finals to defend their title against Rockingham Vipers. It uh, just didn't work out that way. Uh, it was a really tough battle. These two teams know themselves very well. This is the Battle of Perth. And it was the Battle of Perth once. This one was a defining, the defining uh, you know, outcome because it is a point where one of those teams was going to go to the championship. So uh, the Broncos uh, edge the Perth Blitz in a very competitive, tough match. And you can watch it right there at the link, get the excitement and all the action that happened in Gridiron West. You can follow Gridiron West on Instagram, on uh, Facebook. You can also follow them at gridironwest.com. They're uh, obviously updating their website currently as we speak. But you can stay up to date on Facebook. You can stay up to date on IG. Uh, shout out to the uh, Grand West for helping us out and networking with us all season long to provide uh, our fans and our followers uh, one of the best uh, networks, you know, that we've provided for a long, long time. So uh, it's been an exciting, exciting week in uh, Australia. It's just a, a matter of when – when will the finish come here? Because the Broncos are really hungry. Uh, the Vipers should be should be red hot, and they're looking for that perfect season, just like the Miami Dolphins. So I'm going to go dial up uh, uh, Holly Custis here so we can get her on here. Just be one second here and bring her on here. Get the Hall of Famer in here. One second. But uh, it was a great weekend in Perth. We're going to be talking about it right now. It's going to be final as well as we have the cha- uh, the Broncos taking on the Vipers. A very, very crafty team in um, the Perth Broncos. So I, I'm assuming they're going to do well in that sense. Uh, Please leave your message first. for Holly Custis. Uh, let's see if Holly come back. Uh, Holly's going to try to reach us out here. Um, let me see if I can call her in. But uh, let me see if I can call her in. Let's see. I think we're kind of like going with it, each other. Um, so we're trying to reach out, but the, the Vipers have had an impressive season all, all season long, very good firepower on offense. Um, you, you anticipated that at the beginning of last year, uh, the year before that, when they came into the final season where they were really, they finished the season strong this, this, this past season, they really stepped it up and they really made, uh, you know, an effort to just stay on, stay on keel. And they did really week to week. They really did a great job. Uh, keeping up with uh, everything that was going on, especially with all the COVID guidelines and everything else. But, uh, you know, hats off to the Vipers coaching staff out there. Hats off to the players in uh, Great Iron West. And uh, it's it's just a, a matter of what do they uh, what can they do is just finish it and, and basically finish it correctly. So um, they should do it. Let me get Holly in here, and I will call her again. All right, here we go. We're going to call her up. That way we can get her on. And let's get it going here. There we go. So let's see if we can get the Hall of Famer in here right now. We're having some switchboard problems, so something happens in live on on the podcast. So that's what it you Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, got you got you on finally. I think there's something going on with the switchboard again. So get you on here. Um, Holly, I'm just talking about the, the great season, uh, the great finish in Gridiron West in the playoffs. Uh, Rockingham Vipers uh, undefeated up to this point. They're looking for a perfect season to finish it off in West Bowl 4 this coming weekend. Uh, you know, all the links were at the at the hub. You can watch it on YouTube with the replay. Uh, really impressive win, 34-6 to against uh, Curtin Saints. Curtin Saints came in with, the, you know, high hopes. 
but uh, unfortunately it's too much firepower with Cassie Cubis and and the Vipers. Yeah, I mean, I think um, it was a well-fought game, but I, I really think the, the Vipers have something going, and I think um, I'm really excited to see what they're able to do going forward, but I think it was a really solid win for them. And, I, I mean, the anticipation, Holly, you're, uh, last year they finished strong. They come into this season, and every week they have really put out some good offensive numbers, and that's a credit to their wins. And in this in this playoff, it was just – too much for uh, you know the Vipers were too much for the Saints, which the Saints uh, made a late late season uh, push in the last couple of weeks. But uh, anticipation for the Vipers is to get the perfect season like the Miami Dolphins of '72. So I don't think they're going to be letting down. I don't think they want to. I don't. They don't want to lose like the Patriots against the Giants. I hope. Oh no, um, I, I definitely think that there um, is you know some pressure to finish your perfect season, but you. If you're a player, you can't focus too much on that. You have to just focus on the game at hand and then let history take care of itself. Uh, so hopefully they're able to uh, focus on uh, the game in front of them and uh, and get that W, and then they can celebrate uh, for having achieved. And, you know, given the Kelly Hopkins has started this league, it's only four years old, um, you know, it's a 999 type of league, um, the hope, the hope is that they'll go to 11s, and uh, they've been very competitive week to week. Um, so we're we're hoping that that's going to be the case for next season as they they kind of like progress to the 11s, like Gridiron Queensland did this year. Uh, the other matchup, Holly, uh, was not as easy, uh, you know, a steamroll at matchup. The other matchup was a tough, gritty battle. Uh, the champions, the Blitz, came in with high hopes to return and defend their title, but uh, their uh, cross. City rivals the Broncos had other plans, so it was a really hard match. You get to watch it there, also at the hub, the whole game. Plus, we got still photos from all our uh, network partners as well. So, Holly, uh, this was just you know the uh, Blitz had beaten the, the Broncos in season more than once. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure the girls on the Broncos came in, they got a shot at the championship. That I don't think they wanted to give that up. No, and, and sometimes the more you play a team, the more you begin to know them and it, it could be a benefit if um if you feel like their talent level is fairly equal the more you play them the more you understand their strengths and weaknesses and sometimes that can really help the team uh so definitely kudos to them for sticking it out and, and getting the win now ollie when you play a tough gritty ball game um a evenly matched here it was 36 26 uh, it was literally 26-24 in the fourth quarter before the Broncos kind of, you know, took a uh, took a stride away from the Blitz. But, uh, you know, it, it just – if you're the Blitz, it sort of got away from you in a way. Yeah, that, that sometimes happens. But honestly, as a player, those games are my favorite. Like, if if you've ever played in a game where it's just basically a boxing match and you're going round for round, um, those are the best, and it, it does sting when you're not able to come out on top, but at the same time, they are the most fun, in my opinion, and they are the games, you know, 10 years from now that you can look back on and be like, oh, that was one of my favorites, even if you even if you lose. So, you know, they have nothing to be ashamed of, and, and uh, uh, hopefully they can learn from it going forward. Um, Holly, what do you what do you think of this matchup? Uh, undefeated Vipers on a high this coming weekend 
and then the Broncos, this would be an upset, kind of like the Giants against the Patriots. Uh, where do you think it's what do you, where, what's the thought process I hear you know for, for Perth, obviously, they know the ramifications of this, right? You win, you just you beat an undefeated team all season for for the Vipers, you lose. That's an emotional letdown to go all season and then in the end not come up with the trophy. I think you you have to look at it from both angles. Like if, if you're the Vipers, you know, this is a chance, like we were talking about before, at history. But if you're smart, you have to just focus on the game. Let the game take care of itself. And then the historical ramifications of it, you can deal with that after the fact. And so, like, if you're the Patriots going against the Giants, you just have to focus on the game itself, and and then the rest will take care of itself. If you're the Broncos, you know, you have nothing to lose. And the fact that you were able to, um, you know, hang in, hang in there against the Blitz in a, in a hard-fought battle has to give you some confidence, you know. And I think if you're the Broncos, you have nothing to lose, and so, therefore, they can come in aggressive, and, and just go after it. So it's really interesting because you're right in that uh, both sides, you have the psychological piece, and we'll see what happens, but it should be really fun to watch. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Tony Lendrum and uh, Grid21 Picks for um, awesome still photos of both matches for the playoffs. Uh, anticipation for West Bowl 4 is huge. Get the preview right there at the Hub, and you can get the links right there at the Hub also for the game. So uh, we know all of us will be watching, right, Holly? This is an anticipated hot, hot game. And given the ramifications of maybe a huge upset, uh, I think everybody's going to be kind of, uh, you know, happy to start dialing in, get the popcorn ready to see if maybe the Broncos will pull it off. Oh, definitely. You know, these um, obviously are the um, must-watch games of the year. And, um, you know, I'll definitely be excited to see what happens and, um, you know, good luck to both sides. Uh, Holly, I had a message earlier today um, because what we do and what we're able to do, and everybody said to me, there's a message that says, I did not understand, I did not, wasn't aware that there was year round women's tackle football. So <laughs> we just got a couple fans. You know what I mean? We just got a couple fans today. A couple fans. Well, that's good. Just, yeah, you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah, that's really good. Anytime you can get additional fans, and it, it is awesome because the game has grown um, exponentially on the international stage. And if you think about it logically, the more countries that are playing, the more climates that you can play in. And so, you know, if if one side of the planet is in winter, the other side's in summer, and so that means you know, through the course of the globe, you can have football year-round. And that's really exciting. I think they were just blown away, Holly, that we have women's tackle football year-round. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Because well, normally you're so used to, like, okay, it's just North America, and that's all, you know, because we live in North America. You know, our anticipation right. is what, uh, WNFC, WFA, right? And then maybe Mexico, Canada, that kind of swing. Uh, but a lot of people didn't realize, you know, the Aussies are playing year-round. You know, the oh, yeah, South Wales, uh, and, and Perth, those, right? uh, those areas, you know, they're in the different hemispheres. So, you know, when it's our winter, it's their summer and vice versa. And 
I've been to New Zealand before and it was beautiful, but it did throw me because I, I think if I remember correctly, I was leaving my spring and getting to their fall. And it was, it was weird. <laughs> and it's, it's the same when they're coming back over here. So yeah, the fact that um, we have so many countries playing means that it could be year round and it's pretty fun. Well, we gotta, uh, Holly, we got to give a shout out to Great Aaron West, Kelly Hopkins out there four years uh, into the league. Very good, successful league. Um, and if you watch their play, they, they play really good, hard gridiron. Uh, Queensland is always with our, you know, our Lauren Evans and uh, Christy Moran out there. And, and then uh, in New South Wales with Red Hawn and, and Shiloh Phillips as well, one of our no-joke football athletes out there. So, uh, you know, the, the whole Australia swing, uh, keeping us entertained uh, for the, the, the itching for American football. So shout out to the Aussie girls. Yeah, well done. I think, you know, this league has done extremely well um, over the last few years, and so I'm excited to see where it goes. All right. Um, so, Holly, the other place that we had to go to was week two in Spain, uh, seven-on-seven action in the LNFA Femenina. Um, really, really awesome uh, weekend. They've expanded, Holly, to two conferences, East and West this year. Uh, makes up almost ten teams. So it was really, really cool. The only thing that is different, as we talked to Mac last week, Holly, 7-on-7 seven seven can be very depressing or very exciting, depending on what team you're on. If you're on the losing team, not as happy. If you're on the winning team or the scoring team, it's, it's pretty exciting. I think, yeah, that's a valid point because with 7-on-7, seven seven, there's more space, right? And so it's either really good or really bad. If you are on the on – the, wrong side of it then that means because there's more space you're running around a lot you know trying to chase people down and but if you are on the team that that uh, is putting up some points then it can be like a video game and it's really fun and it's similar to flag in a lot of ways except for it's tackle but it's similar to a lot of ways to flag you know and the excitement of flag but if you have two competitive teams it can get pretty gritty Oh, definitely. I think the intensity is still there. It's just uh, a little bit different strategy because there's more space. Yeah, and and the Spain, I don't think is ready to go to a nine 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 or even eleven. Um, they've struggled with nine nine nine. They only had a, a one season there, uh, a couple, you know, one season. But they have they've struggled, so they're staying with the seven on seven format until obviously they can create more, um, you know, interest at this point. Um, week two. In the uh, NFA Femenina, four games. Uh, that was the the plays out there. So let's go through those right now, and then we'll start into the NFL rumors and trades. Um, Barbera Rookies, one of the premier teams in LNFA Femenina, they blank out uh, Badalona Drac Girls, 38 to zero. Badalona, uh, Holly, we've been talking about it for what two, three years now. They have not been able to get over the hump on a win. So the girls are struggling. Uh, last the last. Uh, Last outing, they were 24 to 19. They did put up 19 points the week before, but against a, a very tough, uh, experienced rookies team, they just couldn't muster points. Oh, sorry about that. I hit the mute button. Um, no, no yeah, you know, sometimes when you have a team that is struggling like that, you have to focus on the small victories, right? And it, it doesn't feel fun to lose. Nobody likes to lose. But, 
you have to focus on the little things and the little details and the things you did well so that you can build upon that and build your momentum. And then once you focus on those little things, that will eventually turn into a win. So even though they might not be there quite yet, they have to just keep focused on what they are doing well and try to build upon that, and it will eventually happen. Well, given the, the scope of what's happening with, uh, you know, the added the added conferences, adding a West and an East, it makes it more interesting, and it's going to be very interesting towards uh, as we get into this coming week, week three. And we do have the recap for week three. It just came out in about an hour ago from FEPA Spain. So you could take, take a look at it at the hub as well. Uh, but week two, we're focusing on here. Uh, the Demons uh, took care of the uh, trucks from Calcalda in their debut in the league, and that did not turn out very well for them, uh, 67-0. So they got trucked, <laughs> pun intended, um, by the uh, La Rosa's Black Demons, 67-0. So as we said before, Holly, these scores, uh, especially the Donuts, it sort of reflects either the team's not ready for this type of concept or they're just a brand new team and they're just, they haven't gelled or figured out how to work together yet. Well, I think that's part of um, expansion, you know, within these leagues you're going to have, when you're building a league, um, especially when it's newer, especially when these teams are new, you're going to have some growing pains. And so if you have a team that hasn't, either played a lot together or the whole team is new and they're going up the team against a team that um, has experience and, and knows what it's doing and has confidence in that, then that that's where you can run into some of these scores. And the longer that, you know, the, the newer teams that uh, might be on the losing side of these scores, the longer they play, the more experience they get, the better they get. So even though they might get some of these scores early, it doesn't mean that they can't eventually evolve and, and move on from that. Well, and then the, the, the other game in week two, Osso's Rivas on the, in their debut in the league, uh, get the victory 39-18 against Habatos, uh, the board, the boards of Habatos, Tres Cantos. Um, so that was not so bad, 39-18. But if you're, the, if you're getting your first win, it was a tight matchup, 6-0 at the beginning, and then it was 6-6, then it was 12-6 at halftime, um, and then they kind of branched out 13-12 to together, and then at the end they ran out, obviously, to um, separate themselves. So if you're also, you know, first first win out of the box in the league, that's pretty impressive in terms of a coaching staff and maybe confidence for the players. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you get that first win, it's confidence building for everybody involved. And I, I would think that it would put, um, you know, the other teams on notice, too, uh, when you have a team like that that, that gets that first win like that. Uh, so congrats to them for sure. So if you guys missed it, uh, the Habatos, uh, o, uh, Osos, Rivas, 39-18 uh, matchup, it is uh, at the Habatos site. We've got the link right there also from the recap from LNFA Femenina right there at the hub. And so you can check it out. Take a look at it there as well. Uh, the other matchup was Barbera Rookies, 54-0 over Saragoza Hurricanes. Saragoza coming off a 74-0 route slap in week one versus Valencia. So, uh, Holly, uh, not good <laughs> two weeks in. <laughs> we have not made much adjustments. 
Yeah, you know, sometimes, uh, like we were talking about uh, with some of the other teams, even though the score does not feel great, it's it's more um, at that point about the end game, um, you know, victories. You know, so if you are not putting up a whole lot of points, are you getting better at blocking? Are you getting better at, um, you know, your receivers blocking? Are you getting better at running your routes? Like small stuff like that. And that's what you have to build upon if you're a a team that's uh, struggling like that. Um, So, you know, it might be early, but uh, we'll see if they they can pull it out uh, later on in the season. All right, so we got to shout-out to a couple of girls out there. Great job by Sabrina Marquez, Gloria Del Aldazi. Uh, really exciting. Monica Rafikas, obviously uh, one of the international players on the uh, Spanish national team, plays obviously for the Barbara, uh, Barbara rookies. So a uh, 54-0 victory for them. And so uh, it just puts them in good position uh, in their conference. Um, so we're looking forward to week three. The recap in week three is right there, so you guys can go to the hub. Right now, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, you get the recap right there uh, for all the action that's happening in the, in the uh, LNFA Feminina. And uh, 38-0, to Barbera rookies over the Badalona Drax. Uh, the Harbados and the Camineros were moved to a different week. Uh, Buffaloes, 26 fall to Valencia Firebats. Valencia really on fire. Um, it was, they were basically 74-0 uh, to week one, and then this week they get 56-26, so very impressive firepower. And then Osos get their second victory, Holly. So they got to they got to be on a high right now, thirty four to six. Uh, first victory was thirty nine to eighteen. So they're they're being very consistent offensively in terms of scoring. Yeah, that's a great sign. If you get those two wins and you have consistent scoring like that, uh, so we'll see if they're able to continue it. Yeah, so it was a, a great weekend, LNF Fanina. Don't forget to go to the hub. Get all the links there as well um, for the Gridiron West sem- uh, playoffs, the semifinals, as well as LNFA Feminina Week uh, 3 rate recaps, as well as Week 2 highlights. And then we will update you on Texas Valley Sports as soon as they update uh, this week. So other than that, that's pretty much what's happening around the globe, uh, and we'll keep you up to date. And the place to be is at the Hub. The best network on the planet exists at the Hub, so I don't know where else you need to be but at the Hub. So that's what it is. All right. Um, if you guys haven't subscribed to monkeynightfive.com, check it out. NBA every night. And uh, you got PGA, MMA, you got NHL, uh, a lot of formats. So if you go to monkeynightfive.com, get the link there, and you sign up, you get up to a $50 match. You get a minimum of $10, and you can play all that and use the code NJF at sign up. really helps us with keeping the podcast alive. So check it out, monkeynightfive.com. Use the code NJF. All right, uh, Holly, uh, so Carson Wentz leaves Philly, and then all of a sudden we're getting rumors uh, that J.J. Uh, Watt might go to the Browns. Uh, I don't – highly unlikely, but that would be a great pickup. Then you also have rumors that Sam Donald's probably going to be moved out of the Jets if, they, if Trevor Lawrence is the, ne- the number one pick. So a lot of shifting – a lot of hearsay, uh, all that stuff happening right now with the off season. Yeah, it is a it's a it's a quarterback carousel situation this off season, and I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. 
And so I'm very curious to see if this is going to just be a one-off weird off-season or if this is going to be the norm going forward. Because if you think about it, you know, uh, with the NFL, uh, the quarterback, the franchise quarterback position is so extremely important to to the success of your team. And so, you know, it used to be back in the day that you would draft somebody you would leave them on the bench to kind of uh, grow and learn for a few years before you bring them in. And quarterbacks really weren't ready a whole lot of the time, but now quarterbacks are being taught at a higher level earlier in their lives and their careers. So that the coaching at, you know, middle school, high school level has improved a lot and there's more camps and there's more teaching available and training so by the time that these guys get to the NFL, they're more NFL ready than they were like 10, 15 years ago. So because of that, I think there's more pressure on front offices that, you know, it used to be you might have your guy like a uh, like a Matt Stafford, right, that you have for uh, – he was there several years in Detroit where he was good but you never had like great success. And then he, you know, he was a good enough player that you wanted to, to let him, you know, um, leave in and find a better spot while you get capital for him. But there are quarterbacks that it used to be, you would have your guy who was like a B minus C plus guy, but he was your guy. Now there's more pressure on that role where if you know that guy is not the franchise guy, he's not an Aaron Rodgers, he's not a Patrick Mahomes, he's not a Russell Wilson, he's not on that level, then there's a lot more pressure to go find the next guy that might be that guy for you. So now it's kind of turning into quarterback speed dating a little bit. <laughs> and so it's really interesting, you know. So you had Stafford and the Rams trade, and I was surprised after that trade that the dominoes didn't fall sooner after that there was a big pause Mm -hmm. then we have Uh the Wentz trade and you know I really felt like Wentz was done with Philly even going into last year I think the combination of you know his injuries um the almost you know folklore uh hype that uh that Nick Foles got with that fan base because of the playoff run they had and then I really think Wentz is just not really um, a coachable guy. He's kind of stubborn. It sounds from everything I've read and everything I've heard and all the rumors, you know, it's not, it's not uh, very common that in-house issues get out of the house, so to speak. So the fact that there's so much knowledge on Carson Wentz's um, attitude and stubbornness says that there's probably a lot more that we will never know about that was happening. But I really feel like that relationship with the Eagles soured way before, you know, um, we all knew about it probably. And so I think it's healthy for him to move to a new spot with the Colts where they're an established team. Um, they have a really good offensive line. Um, they have a, a decent young front office that, that's really aggressive in, in trying to win. And so now the story is for Wentz, okay, now you're getting sent to a team that has a better offensive line when you were complaining about your line last year, which is obviously not great. So what can you do with that better offensive line? So the story on Wentz will be very interesting because he's getting a second chance, 
but what is he going to do with it? And then on the flip side, uh, you know, the Eagles, they're like, okay, well, we think Jalen Hurts is our guy of the future. So if that's what they think, then that gives them, now that they've moved on for wins, now they have more flexibility in the draft, and now they can get a little bit more aggressive in free agency too because they feel like they have their guy. So as you were talking about, the rumors are crazy. Like I've like, I'm, it's like, it's starting to wear on me a little bit because every day I wake up and there's like something new about Watson. Like there's something new about JJ Watt. There's something new. Like it's, it's really a lot more intense this off season than I remember it being previously. And maybe that's because, because of COVID where we don't have a whole lot going on. So everyone's into it, but um, it's, it's a roller coaster. It's a content driven society, right? We have 24 yeah. seven NFL network, right? We got to come up with something to just keep everybody right. somewhat in pain. It used to be, you know, I might be sounding old, but it used to be the season was over. You get some tidbits on the newspaper or something like that. You had no off season notes basically at all until like what the beginning of May or whatever. And then you would start getting something with OTAs. You start getting something. Now it is just, so much, so much influx of just information that I, I even think the players sometimes probably feel sick because they have no off season. Everybody's kind of like it's kind of like a paparazzi for the NFL. Oh, yeah. Like everybody's just on to you. You know what I mean? It's like everybody's so focused on you. It's like you can't even rest. Um, oh yeah, Holly, Holly, this is this is starting to be like a, a worrisome state for some players because it's like the rumors are always swirling. And if you're like a certain player, now you're like doubting the front office uh, loyalty, right? Because if somebody comes out and says something different on TV, then all these, uh, you know, sports sites and everything else starts to come up with some sort of, you know, theory that, oh, my God, did you hear what he said? The way he said it? You know, it's like Ben, right? (laughs) And said, oh, well, we talked about it. We're good, right? And uh, and Ben Roethlisberger is a stealer, and I all all week I heard the way he said it. Ben Roethlisberger is a stealer, but I don't think he said it in confidence. Now we're questioning just the tone of the person with the response, which is ridiculous. Well, that that you know really um, you know confirms my point. Where now it's kind of, it's kind of like. It's kind of like the online dating scene in, in 2021. Yeah. Like all of us, all yeah. of us in like, you know, as, as fans or like any of the media, we're all like, wait, okay. So he took a picture with this guy and he unfollowed that guy on Instagram. <laughs> so what does that mean? Does he still like me? Like that's, I feel like that's what we're all doing. We're all doing that every day. Like, and I like, I know I'm just as guilty because I will go on Twitter and I'll be like, I'll go on the search bar. I'll be like, most recent stories about Watson, you know, because I've been watching that. And like, then, then you go down this rabbit hole, right? And then, um, and it's tough because the, there one is. One reliable, one not reliable <laughs> is your buddy. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough because you have to kind of weave through it. You have to weave through the, the, the people that are just like, well, you know, because there's always going to be people that throw stuff out there that's not true because they want the attention, right? So you have like we we all have like those those people that we feel like are reliable like Ian Rappaport right. is like somebody that you know if he says something 
if it's not true, it's mostly true, and then the truth will come out pretty quickly. And so I always try to look for those people that, unfortunately, the truth doesn't come out very frequently. So in the meantime, we're all, like, looking around and, like, wait, do you have anything? Do you have anything? And, and um, you know, it's, and we're it's all on the one right? hand. We're all following. Yes. All following, oh, my like, God. I do sources. it. You know what I'm saying? I, I totally I'm following, like, six sources, so. <laughs> I'm juggling like, and then, like you said, is rap sheet good or somebody else good? <laughs> and then and then you feel like and it's really funny because I know that I'm guilty of this, I'm sure a lot of people are. When you have like a feeling or like a gut feeling and then it ends up being true and you get like the rap report people of the world that confirm it, you're like, Yeah, I was right <laughs> Because this guy and this guy that this thing at this day and I was like yeah that sounds great <laughs> we all kind of feed into it because <laughs> it's, it's that moment where I have my pistachio almond, uh, almond bucket right there that's what I that's how I go through on my twitter feed it's like I have to have pistachio almond just just to, just to take a scoop every now and then and then I hear something different right. I'm like I gotta take another two scoops you know because they kind of cool me down right <laughs> but I'm getting fat yeah it's crazy so it's not helping me <laughs> It's it's crazy because, you know, we all have this instant gratification thing going on in our society now with the technology advances. So I think that kind of feeds into it. We're not very patient. We want our answers now. And, and you know, I, uh, I, I, really, I really think that it's like a love-hate relationship because – you you kind of you're kind of addicted to trying to be like the first one to know things or like to try to figure it out, and then sometimes it ends up the way you think, and then sometimes it doesn't. Like I was not thinking the Rams were you know <laughs> going to get Stafford. I didn't see that at all. You know, so that's one of those Nobody ones where you're like, what? <laughs> so I it's 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 a love hate relationship, but unfortunately. I think we're all addicted to it. And I, I really think I'm really curious to see what happens next off season. Was this off season weird with quarterbacks or is this going to be the new norm that we are no longer patient with our quarterbacks? And if like, for example, Tua, Oh my God, do you like remember how much hype this guy had going to the dolphins? And now all you can hear about in the off season is them offloading Tua, And I'm like, I don't think Tua played very well. I think there's some flaws there. But at the same time, he played like half a season. And now you're about to ship him out for somebody. And I'm like, wow, that's really sad. Kali, uh, are we going to be doing that with the WNFC WFA this season? <laughs> week to week? Just shipping <laughs> people like, around? We're like, uh, this that person be- doesn't work out in Dallas. Maybe they need to go to Utah. Or maybe somebody needs to pick them up and you know, in Washington. That would be an idea for a league. Like if you had a league where week <laughs> to week you just ship players around, depending on what you felt like, that would be very challenging as a player. <laughs> oh my God. You're no longer here. You're in Washington. Just to let you know, as of 24 hours ago, we decided you're no longer here. But try to, try to learn this playbook in, in, in five yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah. You have five hours to learn the playbook and we're paying you big money. So you better, open up your brain really quick (laughs) it's it's like it's wild and then you throw dallas in the mix every year dallas is like the place every year we start in dallas 
I had a guy tweet me and say, what the hell's up with Dallas? Nobody wants to talk about Dallas, right? Nobody. But here we are. We're talking about Dallas. Gallup. We're talking about whether we're going to franchise tag Prescott, right? Are they going to take a big hit for, like, $40 million if they do it? I mean, it's it, Cowboys are always in the news, but they're never in the finals or in the playoffs. It's, it's kind of weird in that sense. Well, they haven't won anything in, like, 30 years. No. But the, sorry, but the problem is sorry, <laughs> the problem is is that Dallas is kind of like the Yankees, you know, type of situation where people just won't let go of the nostalgia, you know. And I know as a 49ers fan that my fan base has a lot of that too, but I think there's more people in the fan base that try to focus on more recent success because at least we've had a little bit more recent success where I feel like Dallas is like, remember that one time when we won like 40 years ago, that was great. <laughs> and I just feel like, <laughs> I just feel like, I kind of feel bad. Like, because I know that I, I know that Cowboy fans, there are in every fan base, there's going to be your diehard fans. And so I'm not speaking about them because I totally get it. What it's like to be a fan. But I feel like if you are in that hardcore Dallas Cowboys fan, you have to be truthful in that they've messed this up. They paid the wrong guy. They should have paid Dak and not paid Ezekiel that much. And because they made that mistake, now every single offseason you're in this terrible cycle of, does Dak like us? Is he going to stay? How much money do we need to pay? Are we going to franchise him? If we franchise him, it's going to really upset him. Do we really want to upset him? Because he just had an injury, but he's really great. And look at what happened when we didn't have him. Do we move on from him? Like, it's the same story three years in a row. <laughs> and I'm like, if, if I was Dak or his teammates, I'd be like, gosh, can we move on from this story? But the, the, the front office, the, there's something blocking between the front office and Dak's like, camp. So they either need to resolve it or put each other out of their misery and let him move on to a different team. Because if they're that worried about the cap and that worried about the money, then just let him go and find somebody else and get more for that value. Or if you're like, gosh, Dak, I need you now, then pay him and move other people on. Like it's, it's one or the other. They're trying to too much to have it all and what's happening is when they're they're trying to, you know, have their cake and eat it too, they're, they're ending up hungry because they're not making the right personnel moves. I don't know. It's just, and Gallup is good. Now he needs to get paid. They picked up Cooper, right, the year before mm-hmm. that. And then they took, they what, they took uh, C.D. Lamb. So you got the receivers that want to get paid. You got the quarterback that is valuable for it, but he's obviously – damaged goods now i think of zach Prescott as a great quarterback but given his injury he's a damaged good liability right to your point maybe he could go somewhere else at this point but they don't want they don't want to cut the umbilical cord to your point they're really not wanting to do that but you can't have it both ways you know it's just they have to figure something out i think to be fair to cowboy fans it really boils down to jerry jones can't give up control because when they were really, really good, you know, you had uh, Jimmy Johnson, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, took him to the Super Bowl. 
Then there was a falling out between Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones. And since that moment, the year later, I think they were able to win again, but it was basically the same players, right? So after that decision and after that second Super Bowl, it just went downhill because I don't think Jerry can help himself and he can't give up the, the personnel and the football control part. And I think that's been part of the problem is that their personnel choices. Yeah. The the personnel choices are the flashy guys. The really talented skill position players, the flashy, shiny toys. And what's happening is you need those players on your team, but you also need the role guys to combine with the flashy guys to give you a complete team, right? Like on the Chiefs, you have a lot of flashy toys, but you also have the role guys that know what they what their role is and what they need to do, which makes them a good team. It seems like Jerry Jones just wants all flash and not substance, and that's been a problem. So they have all these great names on paper, all these talented, talented players, but they're not winning because they're not putting together an actual team, and that's been a problem. Yeah, it's it's a bad concept. It hasn't worked to your point, and it's, and, and it's probably never going to work at that point. And the coaching change didn't help. Um, so, you know, let's go from Cowboy land to what is called probably the worst team you could ever go to besides Jacksonville, and that's the, you know, the winless, always bad Jets, and that's uh, Sam Darnold. <laughs> so if you're the quarterback, Sam Darnold right now, everybody's talking about how they're going to, you know, build through the draft, new coaching staff coming in here. Um, the last the last notes that I got was, you know, Jets Brass wants to fully evaluate the 2021 draft before they they say, hey, see you later, Sam Donald. So if you're Sam Donald, man, and you're the agent with him, you're thinking maybe I should just quit town now, right? Because there's really no no need to stay here if they're going to focus. And who's who's the number one quarterback in the draft? Right. So I think. Yeah, I I think the Jets. I think. You know, every every draft um, year, there's a pick in the draft that when a team makes it, it defines the rest of the draft. And I think the Jets are going to have that pick. Because everybody knows Jacksonville has number one. They're going to take Trevor Lawrence. It's just a no-brainer for them. It, it makes sense, right? The Jets, however, they have a choice. And the choice is, do we think Sam Darnold is the guy? If they think Sam Darnold is the guy, they may end up drafting um, a lineman or maybe a receiver uh, to get him more uh, protection and weapons. If they don't feel like he's the guy, I think they go quarterback, and it could be it could be Zach Wilson, could be Justin Fields, could be a number of guys, but probably one of those two. And so that's a huge decision. And I think you know. Robert Sala is a guy that I think really should have had a head coaching job at least a year ago, if not maybe two, but at least a year ago. He is somebody, if you're a Jets fan, that you should be excited about because when the Niners lost basically half their defense and the, the half of the defense that they were missing on the defensive line was the entire strategy of their defense was building off a strong defensive line – and you lost all of that, right? You <laughs> you lost Bosa. You lost like like a whole bunch of activity up front from that defense line. I think three of the four guys were not there. 
So when you lose that amount of firepower up front, and that's the heart and the whole point of your defense, and you are still a top, like, seven, eight defense in the league, that tells you that those players that are, like, the second, third string guys, the practice screen guys that come in and, and fill in here and there, they believe in the system and they believe in Salah and they are, they are following him. So if you have a young team, he has, he's that energy coach. So the big question for him is, is he going to be able to take his success as a coordinator and, and roll it into a head coaching role? Cause that is a different skill set. So if he is, then I think as a, as a judge fan, you have to be excited. So the question is, what is, he's thinking and what is the front office thinking if I'm a Jets fan I'm hoping they move on from Sam Donald because I just don't feel like he's the guy and here's the thing I think we discussed this before when he was at USC I didn't get the Mm -hmm. hype because I'm an Oregon fan so I watch a lot of Pac-12 football and I never bought into him like I it just like I saw what people think they saw because he has intangibles you know he has size he has an arm but between the ears and his decision-making and even in college, I didn't see it. So I didn't understand like why everyone was so excited. That doesn't mean he can't turn into something good, but I just don't think that this is a spot for him. So if I'm the Jets and I have a new coaching staff, especially one like Salah that's really, you know, passionate and has a lot of energy, I want my quarterback to kind of, um, you know, uh, get in on the ground floor with that coach. And so, I would be really excited to see what they do offensively if they bring in a guy like Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. I think they'd be way more dynamic. And um, if I'm a Jets fan, that's what I think they should do. All right. Now, when you look at it in the whole scope, they have options. They could trade him to a different team and get some other picks as well because if they're really set on Trevor Lawrence coming in to make a difference or enhance you know, with the new coaching staff, new buildup, everything else, it looks like, you know, fans are going to be totally excited because the brand-new quarterback, brand-new coaching staff, everything will look a lot better that way. Removing Donald from the from that scene also helps the fan base in that sense. Um, you know, Wentz was a problem in Philly. Gets shipped to, uh, you know, uh, Indianapolis, to your point. We'll see how that ends up. Uh, Sam Donald, I think, could be a number two backup in any any team in the, in the league, so you can trade him up for something different. Um, but let's talk about Deshaun Watson. Will the Raiders make the move for Deshaun Watson, as everybody's kind of itching to talk about? Will they get rid of Carr or maybe keep Mariota and pick up Watson? Are they going to pay up to try to get the Texans to trade uh, in that sense? Are the Texans really willing to trade Deshaun Watson? Are they going to, you know, to your meme, are they gonna, he's going to be just sitting out and getting fat for the next year at this point? Um but I mean, you know, it, it's just complicated in that sense for the for the quarterback. I was talking to somebody on uh, on Twitter. Oh, they let go of JJ Watt, and I said, well, JJ Watt is ex- expendable because he's on the line. You can pick up anybody on the line, right? But as your face of the franchise, it's the same reason the Niners haven't said, hey, we're getting rid of Jimmy G, right? Because it's not as easy to get rid of a quarterback as it is to get rid of maybe a, a, a offensive lineman or a defensive position. Because those things you you can you know build up like uh, like New England has done every season, but a quarterback that's a big deal. Well, I think um, with Watson, the problem 
Okay, so Watson wants out, and and I I can't say that I blame him. I think the problem with Houston, and it's crazy to me because just a year ago, I went down with my wife to Houston. We watched the Texans play the Patriots, right? Just a year ago, they were a good team. They were a playoff team. You know, they weren't quite a Super Bowl team, but they they were a playoff team. They were strong. They had, you know, a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. In that time period, it is all crashed. And I think their biggest mistake was giving Bill O'Brien too much, uh, you know, decision-making and the personnel choices. Because once that happened, the rest of the dominoes fell. And from what we've seen, there's also some internal issues. You know, there's something about some sort of, like trainer or chaplain or somebody they don't really, the players don't really like. And then there's other people that they do like that were either let go or end up resigning. And then like really good internal people were like jumping ship. So usually when you're looking at a company and you see good, hardworking people jumping ship, they're jumping ship for a reason. So there's something broken internally there that needs to be fixed, right? So if you're Watson, you're like, wow, you know what? I'm really still young in my career, but I know I've established myself and I want to get out of this because I feel like it's going to take them a few years to fix this. And I want to go to an organization that wants to win right now. And so I totally understand why he wants to leave, right? Now, the problem is because he signed that contract too, uh, now he's kind of stuck a little bit in that I don't think Houston wants to trade him. And, you know, if they do, it's going to be for a high price. So then you run into the, the catch-22 if you're, if you're watching, right? Because let's say, um, you know, they were talking, there was rumors about, like, with, like, 12 teams at this point. But let's say you're talking about the Raiders, right? So the Raiders would have to produce a high, um, you know, basically stockpile to send over the Houston for Houston to even think about it. If they do that, now you're Watson going over to Oakland, but what, or excuse me, Las Vegas, but what if Las Vegas had to give up so much in the trade to get you that now you're in the same position you were with Houston where you're on a team that wants you, but now you have no weapons to throw to because they traded them all, you know, away to get you. So it's, it's a really interesting dynamic <laughs> As a 49ers fan, I'm like hoping against hope because I just, I know on paper it would be just amazing to have him in uh, Shanahan's offense. It'd be like the equivalent of having Mahomes. I don't want him. In I, the it would be. It would be. It would be the equivalent <laughs> of of the marriage between Mahomes and Reed. It would allow. Shanahan to be really creative in a way he cannot do with Jimmy. And I, and I think that, you know, that's why these, these quarterback conversations are so interesting <laughs> because it really drives the path of your franchise. And so uh, do I think the Raiders are going to make a push? Yes. I think everybody's going to make a push. I saw the Panthers were like, we're, we would give you, you know, McCaffrey, we'd give you the sun, the moon, and the stars. <laughs> Everyone's going to be throwing their pits, and I sh- I'm sure they have been, you know, behind the scenes. We don't know about it, right? So, you know, what does Watson do if, they're, if they don't trade him? That's going to be a big question. Does he sit out 
that's going to be a very interesting dynamic with Houston because if I'm Houston and I'm the front office, I kind of wade through, you know, the offers and pick the best one and go with it. Because what's going to happen is if you don't trade him and this goes really south and gets really ugly and goes into the regular season where he's not playing, you're in a world of hurt. And then you might not be able to get as much value for him because at that point, teams are not going to offer you as much, you know. So it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Um, Holly, the fact that he's not happy, the fact that they traded DeAndre Hopkins away, and the fact that J.J. Watts is gone, I mean, O'Brien really screwed this up, right? I mean, bottom line. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the way it is. They're, they're sitting on poop. And this quarterback doesn't want to deal with it. And they don't want to mess with that. So if you're his agent, I mean, you've got to sit there and, like, to your point right now, strategically have to figure out whether we can work with this club or are we going to just accept any offer just to get out of Texas? Yeah, you know, and he does have that uh, no trade clause, which gives him some, you know, uh, basically some leverage on trying to figure out what team to go to, you know. So that is helpful if you are in his camp. Um, I just feel like if you are Watson or his agent or, it, you know, in his in his camp, you have to play this as, as, as well as you, close, as you possibly can, but you do hold a lot of leverage in that if, if you're not playing and they don't get anything for you, then they're in a world of hurt, you know, even if it gets to the point where you're not getting paid because you're not playing, um, you're still, you know, you still got a lot of money for that contract. So I'm sure you're going to be okay for a minute. So that's going to be a real test of wills. But if you're Houston, do you really want to go through that? Do you want to go through the, the media scrutiny and the fan scrutiny? They're already very upset because you're right. Like, I don't even know what happened like if you're a Houston fan, you, you're just like spinning because this was this was a good team just a year ago, mm-hmm. and it has come crashing down. And so it kind of reminds me a little bit, but this one is a little bit more dramatic. But the Niners had, you know, when they played the Ravens in the Super Bowl, uh, and then they had Kaepernick, and they had that team. Right after they had a similar implosion, where the front yeah. office just couldn't get along with Harbaugh anymore. And so they got rid of Harbaugh, and, and then all these players started jumping ship and retiring out of left field. And then all of a sudden, as a fan, you're like, what What just happened? We were just really good, and now we're, like, terrible. And then it took them a minute to rebuild and have to build another team from that, right? So that's how fragile these relationships are between the owner, the front office, the coaching staff, and that quarterback. Those things, when they're in alignment – you can be extremely, very successful. If something's out of whack in that dynamic, then it can cause a lot of problems. Yeah, and, and that's where we're at. I mean, I think really the reality is Houston rebuilding itself and are they going to have somebody to leave them? Because the quarterback's already said, I'm, I don't want to be here. So it's really a mess. I mean, it's a total mess. And don't, you know, and don't forget the winter, the storm. And everything else that's happened in Texas, <laughs> like I don't know how bad it can get in Texas, right? You know, what I mean, it's like it's pretty bad between Dallas and Houston. All this situation. Oh yeah. Um, 
for the Raiders, Holly, uh, you know, Mariota, maybe take over for De- uh, Derek Carr, or, you know, the Raiders don't have confidence in Derek Carr. I mean, that, that's the story that's been in the offseason. I mean, Marietta played pretty well when he came in to substitute, but, you know, people, you talk to Raider fans, and they're like, they don't want Derek Carr. They would rather take Mariota. And at this point, if they got Deshaun Watson as an offer, I'm pretty sure they'd give up the farm, too, just to get Deshaun Watson. Oh, definitely. Um, you know, when we were talking earlier about, like, the pressure to find your franchise quarterback, like, the ideal situation for any team is to have a Mahomes situation. You get a guy who is obviously the franchise guy, and you have him early on that rookie contract so that you have enough wiggle room to buy, you know, other people and bring other talent around that young quarterback. Um, you know, Mahomes eventually did get paid, but they were able to be successful leading up to that moment because they were able to um, afford other players and other talent around him. So that's the ideal situation. But when you're talking about somebody like Carr, Carr is kind of like that guy that I was talking about maybe 15, 10 years ago, somewhere around there. Teams wouldn't move on from somebody like Derek Carr because he's been good but not great. But he's been good, right? So it used to be teams would hang on to that guy for a long period of time. But because that pressure is mounting of, like, we have to find our guy, and Carr played better early in the year last year, and then he dropped off again. And so that's been the greatest problem the last, like, three or four years is they come out of the gate, and you're like, okay, they're turning the corner. And then somewhere around, (laughs) I'd say, like, November-ish, they just fall off the planet. And I don't know if it's a combination of uh, Carr, you know, the coaching staff or what's happening, but I'm very curious to see what they do because I don't really have a read on if Gruden really likes Carr or not going forward. I know just from experience that Marcus is a very easy guy to get behind. He was, he's a, he was always very talented. He had a kind of a very poor situation with the Titans. He was always, you know, banged up, going through all these different offensive coordinators, all these head coaches. I think it messed with his confidence, right? So if Marcus is given the opportunity, I really think he'll take advantage of it. He is a bit more mobile than Carr, so maybe Gruden can, um, you know, get a little more creative offensively. But I have no idea which direction they're going to go. I think if you gave them Watson, they would take it in a heartbeat like any other team. But if that doesn't happen, I'm very curious to see if they stay with Carr. Um, They could easily move on from him, you know, trade him, get some value back to put pieces around Marcus. So you could do it that way. But uh, we'll see what they do. It's going to be a a really strange way how – you're talking about the carousel turning around, um, the, the anticipation for all these changes and how that's going to evolve, uh, you know, especially in Indianapolis. If Wentz turns it around in Indianapolis, so it was basically the structure in Philly, that's literally what's going to be, right? Because Sam uh, reunites with the coach, and then Indianapolis has weapons now, so there's an issue there. If uh, Deshaun Watson lands in, let's say, Carolina, and they, they get re- revitalized, then there was basically a front office coaching staff the same way. So, I mean, I don't even think 
to you, I, I don't think Jimmy G's going anywhere because I don't think the Niners can afford to lose somebody like that just unless they can pick up an upgrade. I don't think they're going to even pull that trigger. Well, the Niners are an interesting situation because, like we talked about before, I think the problem is that not that Jimmy's not good because he's like a solid B, B-plus guy. He's like a B that can play up to B-plus, and occasionally every once in a blue moon can go to like A-minus, but he's really like a solid B guy. And that is okay, but the problem is he does not fit the style of offense they want to run. So remember when early in the season with the uh, with Tampa Bay when they were struggling with Tom Brady and it was because they were trying to force the offense to to they were basically trying to force Tom Brady to be what he's not. They were trying to, you know, be like Tom Brady drop back and throw to all these shiny toys downfield. What Tom Brady is is a play-action drop-back guy, right? That's who Jimmy is. Jimmy studied under Tom Brady. So he's like Tom Brady light, and that's his style. He wants to be, you know, a drop-back guy, play-action guy, you know, run the ball a lot, um, occasionally throw it downfield, which is why he did well when they, um, you know, had the, uh, a, a deep threat last year. And then when they drafted – Brandon Ayuk in the draft, last draft, it hit me because I was like, okay, we lost Emmanuel Sanders, who was that deep threat, and that worked well because I think Jimmy needs that safety blanket downfield to stretch the field. But we're not replacing him with another deep threat. We're replacing him with an underneath guy who can run after the catch. And I'm like, okay, we also have Debo Samuel who can do that. Kittle can also do that. So you, you are saying by your draft classes and who you're putting around Jimmy that you want to run an offense where you have a quarterback who distributes the ball. A lot of quick passes, a lot of quick routes, a lot of underneath stuff to basically allow your receivers to do uh, uh, work after the catch, right? And that's what you're looking for. That's not who Jimmy is. <laughs> so that's the problem is that the quarterback doesn't fit the system. And so they're trying to make it fit, and it kind of fits sometimes, but long-term it's a problem because when you have a defense that that can get after the quarterback, that's when he struggles a lot and he holds the ball too long and we get into trouble. And then he doesn't have the confidence uh, mentally to get over that. So when he has pressure, he kind of melts down and comes into himself like a turtle a little bit, and then I think that's a problem too. So it's not that Jimmy's not a good guy. It's not that he's not a, a decent quarterback. I just don't know if it fits the system. So I think they have been shopping around, from what I've heard, a lot. They've been going – they were. They thought they had not uh, Stafford until the Rams took over, right? So they, they were really heavy on that. I've heard they're, they've been, um, you know, in the Watson conversation. They've been, they've been stuffing around and kicking the tires on any available quarterback that they can, which tells me they know that this is a problem. The problem is how do they fix it, right? So they weren't able to get Stafford. Um, you know, I don't think that they really wanted Wentz, and I'm glad that they didn't. I don't think that – I'm hoping they don't go after Darnold because I just don't think that would actually be an improvement. And you're right. There's a certain level where you're like, okay, is this other quarterback going to be an improvement over my guy? And that's kind of where you're at. 
I don't think at this moment, unless they get Watson and make my day for a thousand years, because that would, unless that happens, I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to draft a quarterback. And then the question is, okay, in the draft, who do we want to draft? In order to get a guy that's really a franchise guy and now, you're going to have to trade up. Are they willing to trade up? And if, they, if they're not, then they'll probably sit back at 12 and probably draft either a corner or a lineman or something like that and then probably get a quarterback in you know, the mid-rounds, like maybe um, a guy like uh, Ellinger from uh, Texas or somebody like that, like a mid-round guy, and see if they can develop. At the bare minimum, I think last year showed them that they need to improve the quarterback room. So if they don't replace Jimmy, they at least need better backups in the, in the room to compete. And so we'll see what happens. Maybe they're going to make my day and Watson will be a Niner, and, and, and maybe that will happen, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, but their situation is not dire. That's my point. No, Because they have DJ Mullen. They have a pretty – and even Jimmy G, to your point, is not horrible. So they don't have a dire need to, like, sell the farm to get an upgrade at this point, unlike, you know, like the Jets or, you know, the Colts or the, or the Panthers. Um, Holly, on the, on, the, uh, on the NFL draft, the pre-draft, Lawrence to Jacksonville with the new, with the college coach. So uh, questions on his shoulder. There's an, you know, obviously the, the Jaguar fans feel like this is their savior, right? It's kind of like Andrew Luck to the, to the Colts right after Peyton Manning in that sense. Um, they haven't had great luck in terms of having a franchise durable quarterback. So if you're a Jaguars fan right now, I mean, you're just, you're probably hoping that Trevor Lawrence is your guy. I I think he will be. I mean, I think Trevor has – he's very gifted. He's very bright. Um, He's he's pretty accurate. I think um, the challenge will be can he stay healthy, number one. And number two, um, I think what I've noticed about some of these quarterbacks when they're making the jump from college to NFL, um, sometimes – when you are in a big-time college program like a Clemson, like an Alabama, like an LSU, you have a huge advantage in that the receivers you were throwing to are so much better than the defenses that you are playing that they are so wide open. So when you make the jump to the NFL, your receivers don't have that talent advantage on they don't have the talent advantage. A lot, of yes. over, a lot of people really overlook that a lot. So they think that so, he's going to come in and just be as impactful as he was in college, which is not the case. Well, it's like it's like we were talking about Tua. Like Tua had, you know, some injuries, and I really stand by my original thought that they should have, you know, waited a year to play Tua because I don't think he was healthy, right? So, but on top of that, Tua was throwing to guys that were wide open. So when you are a quarterback that's in a big-time school like that where your receivers are that much better than everybody else that you're playing, can you do it on the next level when your receivers are in tight coverage because the defense is as good as your offense or sometimes even better, right? So I think Trevor can make that jump because I think he's smart. 
And I think even when he has moments where he makes mistakes, he will learn from it. He's kind of in the Justin Herbert um, school, in my opinion, in that he's very bright, and I think he'll learn from his mistakes even if he makes it er uh, some mistakes early. So now the question is, what do you put around him? Because Trevor is a guy that I think you need to protect. So they need to work on that offensive line to protect him and make him feel comfortable. If they can do that, then I think he'll be very successful. But uh, back to my point, sometimes quarterbacks, you know, like a Justin Herbert, his senior year, Oregon's offensive coordinator was extremely conservative to the point it was maddening if you were a fan of that team, right? But what I what I do think actually helped is that Oregon didn't have a very good receiving core those last two years that, that Herbert was there. So we had to learn how to place the ball in tight coverage because his receivers weren't better than the DBs they were playing. So that was a skill that he developed out of necessity. So I think that actually helped Herbert, even though it was very frustrating in that moment for him, I'm sure. So I think Trevor can make that because I think he is very bright. So if you're a Jaguar fan, you know, as long as he stays healthy and you focus on building the offensive line, I think he can be very successful. All right, so Holly, if you're a coach Solace, you got Darnold to kind of, you know, sell out, and you're able to look at maybe Justin Fields uh, or even Zach Wilson as some sort of a, you know a fit. I think Fields would be the better fit for a West Coast offense. Um, so, like we talked about earlier, I think Sam, Sam Darnold's probably his days are numbered if the Jets really do get um, Justin Fields. Yeah, I I think so too. I think like we were talking about, um, you know, you have to decide is is Darnold your guy or not. And if he's not, you know, then you're like, okay, who do we draft here? Do we trade down? I don't think they're actually going to get a whole lot of buyers on Sam Darnold to trade down. So if they don't and they stick with the second pick, then, you know, I've seen it both ways. I've seen Wilson. I've seen Fields. I actually think that uh, Fields might be a better fit there. Um, I think that uh, I, I can see that I can see that working. But I could also see Wilson work as well. So we'll see what happens if if they draft it. If they draft a lineman, if they draft a receiver or something like that then that tells you they're staying with Darnold unless there's some trade happening. But if there's no trades involved and they draft alignment or receiver, they're sticking with Darnold. Yeah, and that's where the, the, Carolina, the Carolina pick uh, will benefit because they either will get Wilson or they'll take Fields, depending on what the Jets will do there. Um, you know, most people think of, you know, uh, Zach, Zach Wilson, similar to like a, a Mahomes-type mentality player, Will it improve their offense is the key. Uh, if they don't get Deshaun Watson, as rumors has has it, that the Panthers would offload whatever to get Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you know. Um, oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, you cut out. What was the last part you were saying? No, I was saying, will the, will the Panthers, you know, uh, wait for a Deshaun Watson pickup, or will they firmly, you know, take a, a Zach Wilson? 
Oh, um, so the the Panthers, you know, I think that they they're going to go all in. So I, I think, but if you're the Panthers, so they 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 have the looks like the eighth pick. Mm-hmm. Not likely that Wilson or uh, Fields would still be there. So the Panthers would have to trade up to get one of them. I do think that they're going to go all in on Watson first, and if they don't get that, they'll probably trade try to trade up for the. Um, either Wilson or um, uh, Fields. Yeah, I mean that would be the, the the best choice for them in trying in trying to get um, a better upgrade at quarterback, given the situation they're in right now. Um, but you know they, they would benefit whether if they get Deshaun Watson. Wow, you know that would be great. But if they give up um, McCaffrey and they give up other picks, maybe not as great. But uh, maybe they'll they'll draft a running back or they'll alter their situation, but Deshaun Watson may be playing in Carolina alongside, you know, that the Brady, the Brady bunch, that would be interesting to, to have. So uh, interesting off season, interesting rumors. We're still uh, kind of like glued into our feeds to figure out, you know, who's going to move where and who's going to pick up who. Um, but a, a lot of swirling, basically, that's where we're at right now. We're swirling. Yeah, but it's so fun. I mean, you know, like we were talking about earlier, it's going to be a crazy ride. But at the same time, with COVID happening, you know, and and, and everything happening around the world, um, it is something at least that we can focus on. So um, even though it's kind of a love-hate relationship, it, it's definitely worth it. Yeah, it is. Um, so we're having fun. So, uh, Holly, thanks, thanks so much for coming in. Really, really appreciate it, breaking down the uh, – the trade rumors, uh, the draft. We'll go into like uh, number five through ten next week. Kind of break down five through uh, five through ten and see who's going to land what. We already know where you know the Jaguars plan to land, the Jets, the the Panthers, and really kind of shifting here and there. But I'm pretty sure as we get closer to March, these things are all going to change because if they if somebody picks up Deshaun Watson, the need's going to change completely for for Carolina as an example. Yeah, if Watson ends up being, you know, traded, that would be the domino that would make everything else move around it for sure, right? So I think maybe that's why there's some delay on some of these moves. Maybe people are waiting on that move. Um, But if that does happen, I really do think it's going to be utter chaos after that. Yeah, and I feel good. Uh, with Stafford myself on our team because I think that's what McVay's system really needed. Not that Goff was horrible. Um, to your point, you know, I think Gar- Garoppolo sits where he's at. Wilson ain't going to go anywhere. Kyler Murray's pretty much pinned in there. So in the West, it's going to be pretty competitive because all these three, all these quarterbacks can can uh, air the balls out. And so it's going to be interesting for, I think, for the NFC West one more year. We're going to see a, a lot of a lot of good you know, good matches. Yeah, I think it's going to be maybe the the strongest division in football still. Um, and then, you know, if they if they get uh, Watson and, and with the Niners, then that would be crazy. So looking forward to it. All right. I don't know about that Kool-Aid at the end there, but it could happen, you know. You I'm trying to, trying, to, go that route. trying to speak it into existence, you know, throwing it out there in the universe, hoping hoping it comes back. All right. Well, you know what? I, I say say uh, 
Jessica is in a rebuild mode, and uh, I'm pretty sure your other half is feeling the pain right now. And then given Cam Newton's latest, you know, annex, if you want to call it, um, things are obviously up in the air in New England like they are probably in, in the Jets camp right now. But uh, unfortunately, you know, New England has a better setup in terms of coaching staff and long tenured and stuff like that. So interesting, interesting rumors, interesting situation with the draft. We'll keep an eye on the rumors as we come in next week as well. We'll keep tabs on the draft. We'll break it down five through ten. We're going to break down the top 20 because I don't think we need to go beyond the top 20. It's going to be like crazy for us to sit here and try to do the draft for, what, uh, four rounds. Just the, just the first round, break it down in the top 20 because that's I think that will be the most crucial moves anyways. Yeah, I definitely agree. Otherwise, we'd be here for like five weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we want to. I don't even want to think that hard. <laughs> I just want to just be able to like enjoy the draft as it is, you know, with the, with a couple moves and things like that. So, Holly, uh, it's going to be great. Uh, hopefully, next week we'll talk about, you know, if Deshaun does land in Carolina. Wow, that'll be great news. But if uh, if anybody doesn't dive in, go to the hub. You'll probably get it right before before the podcast so go to the hub you get the latest news right there so uh holly thanks for coming in really appreciate it looking forward to next week talking more draft and more uh more rumors and see where deshaun watson lands all right sounds good have a good night you too enjoy it all right guys uh hall of famer holly custis uh wnfc utah falcons she's getting geared and ready for her season 2021 may 2021 uh, if you want to know anything about the Falcons, go to the Utah Falcons on Facebook. You can go to WNFCFootball.com, get all the team links there on all the social sites, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, so really, really excited for her. She's going to be commuting pretty much from uh, Seattle over to Utah. And uh, Utah is a very, very good team, very well-coached well team as well. So uh, it's kind of a blessing for her to get stage and be a big contributor there to the Falcons. Falcons, uh, number two squad in WNFC uh, before the COVID, obviously 2019 inaugural season. So they were uh, in the final. So looking forward to uh, Holly Custis here returning to a final and maybe hoisting a trophy. Um, If you got the latest news in the WNFC, WNFC uh, training camps have started nationwide. Uh, the champs are in hungry mode, the TSTEs, which is the uh, the elite Spartans, hungry mode, and they have been recruiting crazy. And if you know them, they're they're up to par. They are wanting to win, and they they work their butts off. So uh, if you want to check it out, you go to Texas Elite Spartans on uh, Facebook. You go to the Texas Elite Spartans on Instagram, or you can go to WNFC on Facebook or Instagram as well. Uh, the offseason doesn't stop, and if you follow us, you get all the latest news, including you know Renegades in, in, in offseason mode, Divas in offseason mode, just about every team in the WFA also in offseason mode. You can go to WFAProFootball.com get the latest news and updates there. You can go to Fall Alliance on Facebook. You go to WFA Football on Instagram. You get the latest news from the top two leagues in the world, in the U.S., in North America swing, and that's what we follow in season. May 2021, we will be front and center, and you will get everything week-to-week, results, recaps from 
some of the best network partners on the planet. And obviously, we're going to get recaps and interviews with some of the best players week to week in terms of action in the WNFC, in the WFA, and also including X League and including IWFA, Icon, Women's Football Alliance, I-8 season that we are totally, totally stoked about coming into this, uh, this swing and the new season coming up. So if you guys don't know where to go, have no clue where to go, you need to go to the hub at facebook.com forward slash Beauties. The best network on the planet exists at the hub. Shout out to all our network partners, everybody that collaborates with us, gives us feedback and everything else. And if you haven't seen it yet, go to the hub, check out Gridiron West semifinal playoffs right there at the hub. Get the links to YouTube. Watch the game, 999 action from Gridiron West 2021 semifinals. Uh, congratulations to the Rockingham Vipers for taking down the Curtain Saints 34-6. Shout out to our no-joke football athlete Cassie Cubis out there. She's an amazing job at contributing to the Viper wins. Vipers go up against the winner of Perth, the Battle of Perth in the semifinal. Former champs, uh, the Perth Blitz uh, get edged by the Perth Broncos, 36-24. Uh, and so now the uh, Broncos will face the number one team in Gridiron West all season in 2020-21, looking for an undefeated win in the finals. That would be a uh, you know undefeated season plus the cap of the championship. And you're going to get the full coverage this weekend, uh, uh, courtesy of LSC, and you get the link right there at, at PerthBroncos.com. So you'll be excited to dive into the West Bowl Four Championship this coming week. So we're really, really stoked to see it. Aussie Girls in Action Championship uh, feel for it. And then you're also going to get w, uh, LNFA Feminina, LNFA Feminina Week uh, 3 recap right there at the hub. And you're, we're going to get still photos plus some coverage from a couple games on the links as well. So check it out right there at the hub at facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties. All right. So if you guys haven't uh, heard yet, go to monkeyknife5.com. Go to monkeyknife5.com. Check it out. You can play NBA, play uh, MMA, PGA, NHL, NASCAR, every, anything, any of those sports you can play. If you go to monkeyknife5.com, you get a uh, a match up to fifty dollars, uh, minimum uh, ten dollars, and use our code NJF to get started. Pretty easy, pretty easy games. You can uh, more or less uh, on the player pools, either two players or up to eight players. That's what I play. It's pretty easy to do. So if you put in $10, you can win up to three times the match, which is about $30. Um, so take advantage of a little bit of cash and your intuition and it helps out our podcast as well. So check it out, NJF on monkeyknife5.com. If you don't have Monkey Knife Up in your state, no problem. Share the link to somebody else that's in a state that does have it. They can also use the code MJF and take advantage of the uh, uh, upgrade and the match up to $50. So check it out, monkeyknife.com. All right, we're going to be having uh, Nate Ward coming here in a couple minutes. We're going to be talking pretty much everything that's happening in X League. We'll talk about some of the things that are happening at the Hub and uh, break it down for the last half hour here. So really, really appreciate everybody in Australia, everybody in Spain, everybody in Russia, uh, in the overseas Euro scene. Really appreciate everybody in Europe listening to us. Shout out to the Every all the fans and all the athletes in Germany as well, uh, who, who have bumped us up on Spotify 
and also on iHeart. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, you guys don't have no idea what, how it means to us. We've been doing this for 10 years, and uh, we've finally broken through, looking towards uh, being in the top 100 podcasts internationally. Uh, that's our goal. We're not there yet, but that's our goal, and that would bring relevance and it also bring awareness to women's tackle football on an international scale. So, you know, thank you, everybody in Canada, U.S., Mexico, as normal. Everybody listens to us there on a weekly basis every Tuesday. But uh, really, really thankful to all everybody in Spain, uh, Russia, Germany, and as well uh, out there in Australia, as always. So really, really appreciate you guys listening to us and supporting our podcast every week. Uh, you can also go to Zazzle. 25% off today is the sale. 25% off all T-shirts. So you go check out, get the, your favorite T-shirt up there, the No Joe Football Script T-shirt, the Not A Boys uh, favorite T-shirt, Not A Boys game favorite T-shirt. You can get pretty much anything else on there, up to uh, so many uh, apparel items that you can choose from, from every design, from T-shirts, from uh, tanks. Uh, you can also get your favorite leggings or your capris. I know it really helps us out with the podcast as well, as uh, Zazzle has been our sponsor and supporter for almost 10 years, helping us uh, keep the message of women's tackle football and bringing the awareness to the average fan. So check out Zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. And if you have a country link, uh, country link, you can go right down to the last page. Right there on the site, at the very bottom is the country code. Choose your country code and, you, uh, and your country site, and you can get your uh, stuff a lot faster than shipping it from the U.S. site. So check it out at uh, the site, 25% off. Use the code there today. Otherwise, you can use the code ZazzleThanks uh, for 15% off uh, as an average sale. So really, really appreciate it. Um, and then I want to give a shout-out to all our athletes, our no-joke football athletes. Thank you, everybody, for a great 2020 uh, season. Our fiscal year starts in March, which is a week from today. And we've done such an amazing job the last uh, two years. Really, really appreciated uh, all the uh, athletes that have supported us over time. Really, really appreciate everybody uh, contributing to uh, doing their marketing on social media, bringing attention to their team, themselves, and their leagues. Uh, really, really awesome. Um, you know, want to give a shout-out to a couple of them. You know, uh, Anna Garza, also part of Exathlon U.S., currently going on right now. So shout-out to her. She's been doing a great job coming back from injury. Uh, Lexi DeMeo from WFA Sin City Trojans as well. Lisa Gomes out in Canada with the Detroit Dark Angels. Uh, Hannah McEwen, also uh, up, up north with the WWCFL. Uh, we had uh, uh, Alicia Patsky in Mexico, Deb Rodriguez in Mexico, Valeria Quintero uh, from the Austin Sound as well, Ellie Mazzola over in Finland, uh, the great Phoebe Skettler from uh, Baffa Woman, uh, and then a, a lot more athletes that I could mention here, including Christy Moran and Lauren Evans, who have been our longtime supporters uh, throw in uh, Renee Hahn and Shiloh Phillips as well. So uh, a lot of athletes really appreciate all the athletes making the effort uh, to promote our brand and bring attention. And at the same time, it helps us with our mission to bring awareness to women's tackle football. So really, really awesome. So let's bring in uh, Nate Ward here. And Nate, uh, we've been talking about a lot of good stuff here, um, especially in women's tackle football. We had, uh, you know, semifinals in Gridiron West, week three in LFA Feminina. And, of course, we're anticipating X-League kickoff. Uh, so I talked to a couple of players already. They're all pretty excited. Uh, a lot of players are excited mm -hmm. because there's brand-new faces everywhere. 
I talked to a Mariah Lopez uh, earlier this week. Uh, her sister obviously is pregnant, so she's not going to be able to probably play this season. But uh, overall, Kansas City has a, a pretty good upbeat field with Lauren uh, Lauren Crouch as well. Um, and then they got a brand-new quarterback, which we featured um, over here on the hub from the KC Force. It was Ashley McCown. Um, so X-League excitement is building. Um, even KK Matheny, I talked to her this past week, and she's she's uh, pretty excited for uh, the Thunder and the excitement there. So um, we'll see how true that all comes out, but it looks to me like the, the X-League is going to continue its legacy just like it did with the Legends Football League in terms of uh, putting out good content for the season. Yeah, I can't wait to see um... – what the the new talent brings. I know, like you said, we've got a lot of familiar faces come in, but I've also been impressed looking at the um, the tryouts and preseason videos. Just you know, the the caliber of talent I'm seeing there. It's, I mean, to to not take anything away from all of the ladies that played in the LFL that aren't continuing on with X League, but some of the talent I'm seeing coming in is just it's it's a step above, and the excitement. Yeah, I'm a hearing, lot more athletic. Uh, personnel, a lot of more trainers, a lot of more uh, personal trainers, a lot more people that are into fitness. Um, right. You know, a lot, a lot more players uh, devoted to their bodies and care. Um, I don't know if that'll transition, you know, to the football field, but you know, for marketing purposes, they've done a good job so far of trying to like portray the, you know, the fact that the brand new crowd or the the, the vision for this new league is going to be really intense football. Right, and it's it's um, you know as far as will it translate? You know, it's always wait, watch, and see. But um, I'm excited. I, I know, like you said, the players and coaches are excited. Um, I've set sort of a, a little bit of inside fast track with a couple of officials and stuff like that. So it's been it's a nice year. The progress and the the changes and the differences that will be there to um, make more of an impact and more of that athletic approach than. Um, what LFL was even after it rebranded. So it it should be really good. I'm disappointed that they have to push back late and have only one home and one away, but it should be enough to give us a a good taste of what a full on season will look like. And then uh, if you watched uh, SLA, you can get it at the Hub. Uh, SLA, the latest episode, we had Keke Matheny with uh, Mitchell Mortaza and uh, Mariah Lopez as well. So they anticipate a uh, pretty good season, even with the two games. The two games are pretty interesting in that sense. Uh, one way, one uh, one away, one home, and then the relocation of the Omaha Omaha Red Devils to Arizona. We talked about it uh, last podcast. That's going to be very impactful in terms of a West Coast swing. You got Los Angeles, Seattle, Arizona, and Denver. Uh, Denver seems to be, from what I gather from uh, uh, Jared Floyd. Uh, they're going to be very, very uh, improved, much improved, which would be a benefit to X League to have uh, those four teams really be competitive. When when your previous incarnation had scores of 90-plus against them, you, you, you kind of need to give it a better look. And I think the the rebranding to being the, the Denver Rush and the the new players and the new direction they are going, I've, I've loved what I've seen out of their camp, and I would agree they're going to come in a um, – a completely 
different team for Denver to cheer on than what the dream was. And that's, that's not just in the last few years, that's the entire run. So it's going to be, it's going to be real nice to have a, a breath of fresh air in uh, Denver women's football. All right. So uh, Nate, the anticipation in the East seems like Chicago would be the favorite right next to Dane Robinson's empire. Um, uh, not much news in terms of the force. Uh, we already know what Austin's all about. Uh, I don't know if they're going to – are they scheduling Austin in the east at this point? Have we decided that? Do you know if they're in the east, or how is that going to work out in terms of, like, the uh, structure? I don't at this current point. At least I haven't looked at the schedule since they fixed it. Um, I happen to have it right here, though. Uh, they I'm are. Thinking, I'm thinking Austin's in the they, east because it just they, makes more sense, are, especially now that you relocated Omaha. Um, well, actually, that's interesting. I mean, you would think they would. They might just be using them all at once because they have one game against the would be an Eastern team in Chicago, and then their other one is against Denver, which would be a Western team. So, okay. So, it, I mean, it's not the ideal season for X-League because we normally would have a traditional four games. So that really right. that really bites. For just you know, yeah. for uh, for fans, um, but I'm assuming Austin will be in the East because it'll be closer to Kansas City. The routing will be closer to Chicago, and then obviously Atlanta's way closer. And then, given the fact that you just added Arizona on the West side, it would just make more sense. So, if if uh, scenario is if Austin is in the East, this is going to be very competitive. The East is going to be very competitive. Not taking anything away from the West, but you no. got you know the Sound. Uh, Chicago, uh, the Empire, and and Kansas City. Um, so it could be it could get a little exciting in the East. It very well could, and I I, I think it'll be interesting to to see what comes out of the out of the woodwork for each team, knowing the, knowing the dominance they had in the predecessor, um, and at the same time not really knowing much about the. The at least the Chicago and the Kansas City coaching staffs, because we saw what happened in the last season is the bliss, and I'm going to take a guess that those coaches aren't back. We know Dane Robinson is back with Atlanta, so that should always be a good uh, a good performance. And like you said, we really don't know a whole lot about Kansas City, so that'll be a they, they could either you know be you know one of the the midpoint teams for that for that side of things for the eastern side, or they they could be a, a, a hot button issue for the rest of the team. We don't know. It, this the is all only be a bunch good of benefit out of this whole thing is because we, we live in an instant gratification world now. So this two game yes. slate really puts more pressure. We thought uh, we thought a four game season is a is big pressure, right? Every game is a must win. Right. Now you put two games on the line. This is must win at an ultra level. Yeah, this is this is you need your A game, or you're hurt. Like you, you know, you you can't even afford to fumble in you know in any game. Like you have to be sharp, you have to be focused, and you have to be ready to handle every single thing, every single down. I expect some some pretty high octane games and. 
some very well teams if this is the direction they have to go. You just have to. There's no way around it. And then, you know, the fact that they put it out so well in terms of marketing, uh, it's going to be do-or-die matchups. It's really going to be do-or-die matchups. So um, speaking of that, uh, Marshawn Lynch, uh, Nate Ward, Marshawn Lynch, fan control football. I like it. I really like it. It's a good concept. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's kind of nice. I I don't know. I mean, it's almost like live video gaming. It's 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 Madden in human form, uh, and I've heard that 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 opinion passed around a lot, and I love it. I I thought it was a great idea back when they when the the company behind it tested it with um, Salt Lake Screaming Eagles in the Indoor Football League back in 2017, and I just I'm. I'm I'm with you. I'm hooked, and the fact they've got you know Lynch and Sherman, and you know we've got pro wrestling personalities and uh, internet celebrities. I mean, it's it's extraordinary, and I, I love the aspect that you're in the driver's seat, and 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 the fact that they want it to continue to evolve, and you know changes to happen week to week, and you never know what to expect. It's great, and you get ownership offer. Not a big, big amount of money. It's like a couple hundred right. dollars to be an owner. So you get a stake yeah. in the team. Uh, pretty interesting in that sense. If you can make some money off of that, uh, if it's a concept that'll work, and that being on Twitch, there's no surprise that it's on Twitch. You know what I mean? Because I mean, they they no. obviously need some content to stand out above everybody else. Right. Yeah. No. I mean. And I mean, and there, it's also given that, you know, because they're like, you know, it, it amazes me how many people haven't heard of them. And they're, you know, they're gaming nerds. And I, and I use that in a nice term. But, you know, it, it's a great place to be because it, you know, it combines that element of reality and gaming, which is exactly what FCF is going for. So it's, you know, it, it it's a match made in, you know, in uh, sports heaven, you know. So, and, uh I just love working. Well, if you're an investor, I don't know if the investor part is going to be really, uh, really cool because, like I said, you get to invest in a team with some small amount of money. I'm pretty sure a lot of people have 150 bucks to put into it or 200 bucks. That's not a lot of money. So that makes it more interesting in that sense. Um, Currently, two teams, my understanding, right? There's currently just two teams? Uh, Four teams. There's four teams. Yep, there's the the Glacier Boys, Wild Aces, Zappers, and the Beasts, which I can probably make sure you can guess that you know who runs the Beasts. <laughs> the Beast from what Lynch? The Beast? Yeah, what? Huh? What? The Beast? Uh, yeah, I mean, and given the fact that Marshawn doesn't really talk much, it's it's, it's kind of eye opening the fact that he's such a good entrepreneur in in the sense where he's latching onto something that is innovative. You know, it's not a put down for him, but you know what I mean? Right. He's such a background guy anyways, that he's, this is, that's his, this is uh, more like him in that sense, but on a low key level, but being front and center now as like the face of it, it, uh, I guess it's mm-hmm. surprising to some fans. And, and if you know him, you probably weren't that surprised, but it, it is a new endeavor and adventure. And with his face on it, uh, it brings a lot more attention, of course. Oh, it, it 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 brings it up a whole level, um, and and it, it's ama- it amazes me that, you know, you're right. He's so 
he's so soft spoken, he's so quiet a lot of the time. But like the the the, the first game out, he and uh, he and Richard Sherman were featured during the um, during the game, chatting it up. I I have never heard him more open and more outgoing than he was there. I think I think he is having so much fun with this that it's just, you know, he's allowed to be himself. He's he's allowed to have his own voice, his own words and just be Marshawn. He's not restricted in any way that would hinder him from being who he is, being Marshawn Lynch. And it was it was a nice break from what we've seen over the years with Seahawks and Dion. Well, it's a Seahawks reunion, okay? That's really what it boiled down to. Yes. And Richard Sherman already injury-prone over the hill at this point, if you want to consider it that. I don't think he's, you know, as what he was. So this is a good thing for him, too, because it brings attention to him. Mm-hmm. Also, it's a good venture. Um, and then, obviously, retiring mode, you want to get something to where it's viable and, and generates more income for you, too. So uh, it makes sense for them to kind of, put themselves, you know, together and uh, put this forth. No question about it. And then I, I think we also got to mention the elephant in the room, Johnny Manziel. Which I, I, he I always think brings attention. If it's bad press or good press, Manziel always brings attention. He's just a draw, basically, either way. That's fair. That is fair. Um I, I think he's found more of a calling as a as a running back in this league, though more than a quarterback. He's his his oh, rushing yeah, is sure. way way more par level and beyond than his throwing. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, but he's not being con- he's not controlling his own plays, so that makes a big difference too. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So Very it's true. really awesome if you haven't checked it out. Fan controlled football. And if you haven't been like, what do they call it? Blasted on social media on sponsorship mentality, you're probably going to see it all the time. The, all the ads are on there. I mean, I've, I think I've gone to every every uh, social site, and they're they're all over. They, they've really put they're in over. a lot of money. They they put in a lot of money for all the sponsor uh, sponsor ads. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All all out. If you haven't seen the ads yet, then I I, I would have to be. I would hard press, be hard-pressed to believe you've even been on social media. Um, FCF.io, just check it out. You, you won't regret it. It is awesome. So we're going we're gonna to try to keep tabs on it, and uh, our uh, X-League insider slash FCF insider, Nate Ward, is going to give us an update weekly in terms of what's happening with the games and everything else. I'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be happy to. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not I'm not keeping up with it as often because I got so much other stuff to keep up with. But if you're keeping up with it, then right. it's nice to have a, a nice little segment uh, in terms of what's going on and uh, you know what's it going to evolve into and things like that. Are, are you a current owner, Nate? Uh, I have not invested monetarily yet. Um, in fact, actually, by the time that I even found out about it, they were already out of seats for the beast. So I got to wait until it opens up again. Oh, okay. I mean, you can get on another team if you wanted to, but it's not going to be the same, right? Because you're from Seattle. Right. Well, and I mean, once you kind of walk into a team, it's kind of you're you're there. They they they're trying to avoid. Um, and this is this is a good heads up for people who think, oh, I'm going to control one team and then control another. 
make sure you pick their accounts carefully because they are watching because they do not want bandwagon fans. Wow. That's pretty pretty unique. Yeah. Pretty, pretty unique. I, I mean, mean, that's that's interesting in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, I mean, I think it adds a, an extra level of, you know, if you're if you're going to be serious about this, you know, we don't we don't want you messing around and you know trying to, you know, ch- change the dynamic one way or the other. You know, I mean, not not that the the games haven't been you know one way or the other as it is, but just in general, I mean, to to rig the vote. In fact, one of the the, the new things I was ta- I, I found out from them, um, I I sent it to you on our on our chat is. Uh, mm-hmm. They are looking to add in replay reviews, which they didn't start with, and their goal is that um, they want to educate the fans, and if it comes down to it, probably have people with higher rankings and higher voting control be in charge of reviews so there's not a um, a major bias or a major confusion um, when doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. So it won't be leak control bias? It'll be vampire with the vote. <laughs> it's like a courtroom mentality. That's nice. So you know, the seven other people on this side decided that that was a that was not a catch. We're going with that. Not a catch. Let's move on with our lives. That's pretty cool, actually. That's kind of refreshing in yeah. a way. Yeah, yeah. Jury so mentality. Yeah, I like that. I never thought about that. Now they're playing referee. <laughs> they take the ref off this whole mode. Yeah, no kidding. Oh my god. Oh my god. I know you're a passionate guy for this, but um I am pretty sure it's going to it, it'll be well because I mean the concepts there. I think uh, I watched uh I think three games already, four games. It's it's exciting football. It's uh, it, it's like uh mm-hmm. like I said it's it's almost like being at home with your PS5 and and you're really trying to like, you know, outdo another person. It's it's really awesome. It's not like it's regular cool. football where you're anticipating the plays. Here you pretty much put in your plays and then at that point the unanimous plays goes in and then you start to see it live and then from there it kind of migrates to something different and it's a little bit more exciting and then given the fact that it's indoors 25 you know 50 yard field uh, anything can happen exactly yeah and I I think that was the perfect environment to 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 do it and I'm not sure how well it would have worked on a a full-size field obviously you know Mitchell Mortaza, if you're listening, maybe it's time to hook up with Mr. Lynch. Never know. Good work. You never know. know. Yeah. X League Extreme, right? Right. Fan controlled X League? Fan controlled X League. Wow. That would be a unique concept. Talk about it. Talk about a breakthrough for like women's football as a whole. Oh yeah. Yeah, the atmosphere, the 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 excitement, uh, the fact that you could have you know uh, a pool of money right there in the set. I mean, things like that. I mean, it could happen. You never know. It could evolve into that. So, um, like I said, if Mitchell, if you're listening, I know you're probably listening to our podcast. You know, maybe maybe it's a, a sweet call to Marshawn Lynch to see how that can get set up for 2022. Could a good, could be a good thing. <laughs> I think so. Just throwing it out I, there. Killer. Throwing it out there. Um, so, um, Nate, uh, 
Trade rumors, we talked to Holly Custis here extensively, just a, a bunch of, you know, just a swirling thing. Uh, the draft coming up here, it's going to be pretty exciting. We're, we're looking at, you know, breaking it down to the top 20. So that's been pretty awesome. And then at the fact that, you know, we have international championships coming here. Uh, Grand West this weekend, West Bowl 4, the Vipers taking on the Broncos. The, uh, you know, the upset could be there or the perfect season will be ending, will end up there. So really, really awesome in terms of Grand Island West. Oh, nothing but pure excitement there. I mean, you know, the 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 perfect season is is a rarity and always exciting and then you know the 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 upset is always always a huge you know thing to hope for it's it, this is one of those games where it's hard to decide which one you really truly want because either way you're yeah. you're on one side of history yeah i mean and shout out to the aussie girls out in perth and west australia what an amazing semifinals um the first game was really well, you know, we, the expectation, obviously the Vipers took care of business. That was not within doubt. Uh, the Saints did play really good hardball, but they just came on the uh, at the end, you know, at the end, obviously could not over, mm-hmm. overcome. Uh, the battle for Perth this time was for the right to go to the West Bowl, and the Broncos do edge the, the champion blitz. So uh, it was a really good game. So you guys get to watch it at the hub. At facebook.com forward slash Grand Beauty, you get the link right there as well. And then um, Nate got Coach Lowe on NFL Total Access. You would never think Coach Lowe would be on NFL Total Access. NFL Total Access, Coach Lowe. Congratulations to her to be on. Too cool. Too cool. I, I was super excited to, 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 to see that and to see, you know, uh, we, we talk about this all the time, to see the, the whole women's side start to, to push its way in and be featured more prominently, uh, especially, you know, especially in the NFL is just, it's just huge. I mean, regardless of the, the accolade and where it's shown, it's just, it's, it's huge to, to be getting out there and, you know, getting your face out there. So huge kudos and props to her. Congratulations. Very, very well deserved. And then we got to give a shout out to coach Liz Sowers of the WNFC Kansas city glory uh, also the coach of, of the Ottawa Braves in the NIA NFL uh, college. The college season started, and they get the win, 84-0. to zero. So, you know, congratulations to Coach Liz Sowers and the Ottawa Braves for uh, starting mm-hmm. up the season 1-0. and uh, it, it was historic. This is the first season of NFL, uh, I mean, of college flag, NIA college flag. And uh, a lot of those girls are obviously on scholarships. So uh, awesome, awesome excitement, and I think it's going to build up within the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. I, I mean, uh, obviously, you know, 80-plus points is an interesting way to start out even for flag, but, I mean, obviously you're still working out, you know, rough edges and stuff. But, I mean, also at the same time, if you're a good team, you're a good team. So there, there's not much you can do about yep. that either unless you want to put the brakes on and, you know, try to training wheel the other team, but you don't want to do that. So, uh, but kudos of to course not. everyone involved. Right. <laughs> but kudos to all of them. All right, guys. If you, got, if you guys don't know what's going on, have no clue what's going on, and I guess we, we preach it every week. So you just got to go to the hub. Get dived into NFL mm-hmm. trade news, NFL news. 
plus everything that's happening in the women's game right there at the hub from the best network on the planet. And then also thank you guys for making us the one of the best podcasts covering women's American football, bringing you awareness. And uh, shout out to our Spanish fans from Spain, Russia, Germany, as well as uh, Australia and the North American swing, which Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. And uh, thanks for uh, helping us out and subscribing on Spotify, iHeart, and Apple. Really, really awesome. And then don't forget, over 300 episodes of the Gridiron Blitz podcast. If you missed it, 360 last week, Steph Jackson talking NIA college flag excitement, uh, plus the females in flag. And then before that, we have the talented TikTok and IG influencer, Divas, WFA Divas, all-star Lois Cook. 359, 342, Steph Ponzer and Sammy Grisafi, uh, 356, all the, everything that's happening in the WFA with uh, Wynn Dominey, 348, the Sam Gordon was here at 348, so you can take a listen there as well. And then my buddy uh, Kevin Peterson was here, 357, 354, as well as 32 from the um, Utah Girls, and then also 331 with the Michelle Marshall 337 to Shea Winfrey. We also had uh, Coach Anthony Stone, 335. We had uh, also Rod Green and Terrence Haywood, 334, 337, and 338. Plus the best podcast show we've ever had in our history, 328 with Very Lieberman, Born to Play, and Angelica Grayson, who introduced us to the NIA college scene as well. So, uh, Nate, Awesome. It's been an awesome ride so far, and we keep going uh, towards 400. We're almost there to 400 episodes. So thanks to everybody for supporting us. Thank you all so much. It's it's incredible. As I always say, we can't do this without you guys. And Oscar, I, I got to thank you for for bringing me on board almost two years ago. It's been it's been a thrill and an honor. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on, and giving us your insight as well. I mean, it, just a joy to have. Uh, you know, everybody contribute because it makes it interesting and also engages our fans. So, um, and we cover mm-hmm. everything. So everybody, we cover women's tackle football, 11s, 9s, 7s. We cover indoor, 7-on-7, uh, 8-on-8. So we are the best resource. We have the best network, and I'm proud to say that because we built it over 10 years, and we have probably the best insiders on the planet contributing every Tuesday, Hall of Famer Holly Custis, the Salty One, Mackenzie Brooks, yourself, Nate Ward. Previous to that, the the insightful Troy Wilson, Kishi Free before that, uh Eric Brown and Erica Erica Lynn Anderson. Uh, uh just a bunch of folks that have contributed to the success of this podcast. So awesome. Thanks for uh subscribing to us. Thanks for uh tuning in every Tuesday. And then don't forget to go to Monkey Knife dot play NBA, play NHL, play uh, PGA, check it out. Use the code NJF monkeyknife.com. Use code N J.F. All right, for the uh, absent Mackenzie Brooks, for Nate Ward, Holly Custis, Oscar Lopez here. We'll catch you here for 362. Have a great night, everybody.